Welcome to the Voxter Podcast. I'm Nate Elliott. And I'm Taylor Bailey. And together, we are Voxter. Voxter is a place for builders. It's also a media company. And this podcast is our attempt to provide some quality content for your ear holes. You can expect to hear audio versions of our People of Growth interviews, conversations between Nate and me, and other stuff we haven't even thought of yet. We hope that you'll enjoy yourself. Now, on to the show. Our guest today is Donegal Fergus. Donegal is the minor league hitting coordinator for the Minnesota Twins, and before that, he was a college baseball coach for about 20 years. In this conversation, we talked about the importance of surrounding yourself with the right people, the necessity of obstacles, and why you should focus on being the best at your job instead of looking for the next thing. I really hope that you'll enjoy this interview as much as I did. And now, let's jump right in. How's it going, Donegal? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me, Nate. Just to get started off, why don't you tell us who you are and um, what you do? I am uh, the minor league hitting coordinator for the Minnesota Twins. I was a college coach for about 20 years and uh, recently made the switch over to join the Twins this uh, this offseason or this winter, I guess. I live in Santa Barbara um, and have been, uh, I guess, I think this will be my 20th year in coaching. So um, my job now is uh, is a little bit different than before. It's coaching coaches a little bit more than, than players, but uh, uh, certainly enjoying it and, and, uh, and love where we're headed as an organization. Awesome. So how did you get started in coaching? Um, I got hurt. Uh, I was, uh, I, I was hurt more than I played, I think in college. Um, uh, I was, I played at a school called Linfield college, um, small school in, in Oregon, um, and had a, had an injury coming into school and, and that sort of lingered and, and, and got worse a couple of different times. So I, I ended up, you know, spending a lot of time watching and, and feeling sort of, uh, like I needed to contribute something and, and didn't know what that was because I wasn't playing. And my college coaches were great. They, they, they've they've stayed, uh, you know, inspirations to me because they they saw something there that, that said, hey, maybe you could you could uh, could do something in this in this realm. So they got me kind of put me to work um, and, and got me helping out with some of the younger guys, especially as I got older. And then I still wasn't sure what I was going to do. Uh, I graduated um, and. Uh, I was I was thinking about some other things, a career in, in foreign service and, and government, uh, uh, political science degree, and um, was thinking about some of those things, international affairs. And my uncle was a college baseball coach up in Washington at a junior college and, and uh, a legend and um, Hall of Famer up there. And, and he said, hey, if you if you really want to try this thing, um, why don't you come up and help me out um, and see if you like coaching and, and you can do it for, for a little while and, and see what you think. And my grandmother, his mom at the time was going through cancer treatment. Um, and so she was living alone in that town. Um, and sort of, sort of the whole family, my mom included said, well, I think it'd be great for you to live with grandma and kind of help her out and be around and help her through that totally. and, uh, save some money and, and see if this coaching thing, uh, is, is for you. And so I did, I, I thought, okay, I'm going to put that other stuff on hold and, and here we go. And, so I coached with him that first year and screwed a lot of stuff up, but got the bug and, and was hooked and, and realized that oh, this is, I think this is really what I want to do and, and didn't look back from there. So what was that first school that you coached at? Lower Columbia College. Okay. It's a junior college in Longview, Washington. Really, really cool little place. Um, it's where my mom grew up. 
So I had some familiarity with the place. Obviously, my uncle's the coach, so that you know certainly helped things. Yeah. Just a really cool little town that really supports its program. And it's the best junior college in the Northwest and uh, a really good place to start. Totally. Yeah. So I'm, I'm from Washington. I'm actually at Gonzaga right now. Okay. And so I, I was looking through your, through your LinkedIn and I saw that you've, you've coached all over, <laughs> all over Washington. Yeah. So I think that, yeah, I made my round. I'm just curious how you got over there. And then, so from there, you, it looks like you, you bounced, bounced a couple different places and you went for you, were the head coach of a few places. And then it just, it's interesting to me that you went like head coach, maybe associate coach, assistant coach all over the place. How do you, when you're a coach, how do you make different career decisions like that? I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I wish, I wish there was a formula for it. I, I think that sometimes I'll say this, I, I've gone through an evolution, I guess, in the way I looked at, at, at what jobs to take. When I first started coaching, it was, I got to get the next job, right? So I got to move up. Yeah. It, it sort of feels like this thing that, that has to happen for you. Like you, you can't slow the train down. You've got to go, got to go. And so, I don't know, probably three or four years in uh, being an assistant at Laura Columbia, I, I thought, okay, I got to start looking around. I got to figure out what's next. And I ended up getting some inter- you know, a couple of different interviews, um, one for a head coaching job, which I was totally not ready for, um, a division two school. And, and I ended up getting the Tacoma community college job, which I was really wasn't ready for either, but I thought that's what you did. Like I, I thought I needed to be a head coach now. And, and junior college was, was all I had coached at at that point. So I didn't really know anything different. And there were, that was the jobs that sort of, they who knew who I was. So I thought, well, that's what I'll do. I'll just, I'll get a head coaching job and then I'll get another head coaching job and I'll just keep moving up. Right. And that's, that's the, the ladder that, that, that you're supposed to climb. And I didn't know any better. And you feel that, that pull. And then you realize, oh, wait a minute. If you're good, then you should have some choices and you should, uh, you should enjoy where you're at and you should look at things like, do I have a chance to win there? What are the resources? What's the administration? Who am I working with? You know, and, and for a while you have another job typically because you're, you're not making a lot of money. And uh, what's that job going to be like? And how do I supplement this thing? What's the time constraints and who can I hire? You start to think about it a little bit differently. So I don't know that I've ever had a plan. I certainly don't think that I've uh, ever had a plan, but it's certainly evolved in terms of you feel that pinch early. Like I got to get somewhere. I got to get to the next spot. And then you realize, wait a minute, let's find a good spot and stay there a while. Now I haven't done that. <laughs> so I haven't taken my own advice yet. I don't think I've ever been anywhere longer than five years, but it, it has certainly changed the way I thought about the planning of it. You can't plan in this business. It's really difficult to do that. You can't say, well, in five years, I want this kind of job. And then in five more years, I want this kind of job. You just got to take things as they come, I think. And, and I think the best advice that I, I've figured out for myself and, and try and give to younger coaches is just be really good where you're at and, and let that be enough. There are times when you'll be frustrated and you'll be like, I should have that job that I'm better than that guy. And, and that guy's an idiot. And how did he get that job? Who knows? Like it doesn't, it's not always a meritocracy. Like, yeah, it just isn't. That's, that's part of life. Life is not a meritocracy as much as we want it to be. And in some ways it is, there are lots of things that, that show that it's not a straight meritocracy. Sometimes things happen along the way and you gotta, you gotta take a different path. You gotta wait a little longer or you gotta do something else and that's okay. I think that if you take jobs that interest you and take jobs that inspire you and take jobs that do something for you and that you feel like I can get better at this place and this is why I'm doing it, then that's probably a better way to go about it than just trying to move up levels or whatever else that you might judge that on. Totally. 
So I think for a lot of people that are, are trying to either build a career or do something new that they don't necessarily have somebody to ask, or there's not a book on like how to be a professional coach or something like that. What would you tell them for learning those lessons? You learned that, that there's so much more context that you need to know before you accept a job, but you didn't know that at first. So how would you tell somebody just starting out? Like, how would you teach them to learn those things? I think it's, it's like almost anything. Just pay attention. Just observe things and listen. I don't, would never say that I have the answers on, on how to do a good job at that because I don't think I did for a long time. I think what I've just learned over, over time is that who you work with really matters. Just it really, really matters. Um, if yeah. you are unhappy with the people that you are work with, either work for or work with, you're not going to be a good version of yourself. And so I think that's just about perception and observation. Just pay attention to, to the people that you're around or that you're going to interact with and think about it in terms of what you need. So if you are a person that is quiet and reserved and, and is intense and tends to go into that mode, then you need to be around people who augment that, who are high energy and, and give you energy and push you and challenge you. If you're a person who's sort of loud and out of control and the center of every room, then you need some people who are sitting back in the, in the shadows, but observing and being smart and who can, who can help you because you're going to miss some things because you're out there in the middle of everything. Totally. I think thinking about who you are and what you are is really important because it, it allows you to pay attention to the things that you don't do well or that you need. And I think that no matter what, whether it's actually the job of coaching or thinking about getting into coaching or staying in coaching or moving around in coaching, it's to slow down and go, all right, well, what is that going to do for me? And what can I bring to that place? So how does this marriage work that we're going to potentially get into? Yeah. How do I think about the, the fit from in, in terms of what I bring to the table and what I need? Is this going to push me forward? Is this going to make me a better coach because it's going to challenge me and stretch me? I mean, when I took this job, it's the first job of, uh, that I've ever had in professional baseball. Okay. So uh, mm -hmm. I'm the newbie now and it's a different, it's a different realm. I'm coaching a group of coaches and players and a much larger group than I ever have before. It's, and I don't have a game to win. I'm not the guy yeah. in charge of the lineup every day and trying to get the offense to score runs. I'm, I've got to look at a bigger picture. And that was really attractive to me because that was a new challenge. And I didn't know even what the job was totally. <laughs> I just, mm -hmm. I just said, I, there are really good people in this organization. They challenge me in cool ways. And I want to see how good I can be at this. And, and I think we all have egos in this. So I think most of us think, well, I'm going to be pretty good. But I, I think that um, it's really good to stretch yourself and, and see, does this make me better? Does this propel me forward? Um, and if you look at all of your choices like that, certainly I think you'll, you'll make better choices along the way, probably, as opposed to just saying, well, it's a higher level. I think that's typically what happens. Yeah. Is, oh, I'm at a junior college, so I should get a four-year job or I'm at D2, so I should get a D1 job or whatever it might be. Yeah. I think we sort of look at it like the public probably looks at it, which is, well, I don't know what the difference is other than I've heard D1 is better than whatever else. Yeah. So I, I think totally. we get caught up in that too much. That makes sense. Um, so what, from here, what is your, your kind of vision for the future of your career? What do you want to do? I don't know, man. <laughs> I, 
again, I wish, I wish I had better answers like, Oh, here's the way you do do this and progress. And then you'll end up at your dream job. I don't even know what my dream job yeah. is anymore. <laughs> I, for a long time yeah. I, I did. I thought it was a division one head coaching job, right? I thought that's the goal, right? It's the highest level for college baseball. And that's the way I viewed myself was a college guy. I didn't play professional baseball, so I didn't have that um, experience in that way. And that was sort of back then that was the way you got into pro ball was you played yeah. and then you'd stop playing. And so you start coaching there. So uh, for a long time, I thought division one head coach, that's it. That's, that's the, the pinnacle. And that's what I want to do. And I don't know that that's changed necessarily. Cause I still think there are great jobs out there that I would love and I would be good at, and it would be great places to live. But this has also stretched me in thinking about what I'm, what skills I really do have and what I really enjoy and what invigorates me on a, on a professional level. This has been really cool. And I don't know what the next thing is, but I'm not thinking about the next thing. I'm trying to mm -hmm. do the show. I've been in five minutes, so I, I, yeah. I should probably do a good job before I start thinking about the next thing. Yeah, totally. I, I do think that uh, there, are, there are paths that you can look at. And that's one of the things when I was exploring this job was I talked to you know, my bosses. I said, well, what, do you, what would you see? Like, what, what, do you, what arc do you see? Like, where does this put me on the road to? What are the things that are yeah. possible? And, and, and how, how long do people stay in this job? And, and is it a role that is a long-term thing? Or does it have some turnover? Where's the next thing? And there are lots of different things. You know, there's big league opportunities. You know, the last, my predecessor, my last two predecessors are both big league hitting coaches now. So that's certainly something that, I, you know, you think about or big league manager job or, or, uh, or front office stuff. I don't know, but I'm, I'm fascinated by the differences in, in the function of this organization and, and professional baseball. And so we'll see where it takes me, but, um, I'm, I'm just trying to get better at the things that I, that I do every day and, and get better at the communication and the people skills and, and the management side. And, uh, I think I've got a pretty decent handle on baseball now, but, uh, you know, it's always stretching your ability to, to, to help other people get better too. So that's where I'm at. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know what the end game is. Honestly, I'm trying not to think about it actively. I'm trying to think about how can I be really good at what I'm asked to do right yeah. now. I think that's, that's probably the right way to think about it. Cause I mean, if you spend every day trying to figure out what's next, you're probably not going to be very good at your job and what's next is never going to come. I, so. I've got enough to worry about with my job, let alone trying to find the next one. So I, I'm exactly. just trying to figure out what I'm doing every day here. I, I can't, I, I just don't, I don't think it does you any good to be wandering around in your own head about, well, what can I do next? Cause it's probably going to pull you away from being good at what you're doing currently which is the way to get whatever comes next. I assume in your, at your college coaching jobs, you probably had a big role in recruiting. Is that right? Yeah. Voxter is a company that we help builders. So builders of careers, builders of businesses, lifestyles, wh whatever that is. And I think surrounding yourself with the right people and being able to bring the right people around you is a big part of that. Mm -hmm. So what did you learn as a college coach recruiting people about finding the right people? It's about, I, I go back to the answer I gave on, on, as you start to think about your coaching jobs and which ones to take, I think it, it is about the people you surround yourself with. So you have to look at yourself. What, what am I good at? What are my strengths and what are my weaknesses? What am I good at doing? And what am I not good at doing? So I need to, in recruiting, I need to pick players that fit into that window. If I'm super headstrong and, and stubborn and 
stuck in my ways, then I, I need some players that can fit into that mold. Like, and I need them to do the things that I already value or already want to teach. If I'm different than that, then I need to find somebody that matches up with that too. Or if my style is really abrasive, I need to find kids that can handle that. If my style is really yeah. open and, and, um, you know, and is inclusive and, and exploratory Then I, then I want kids that are that way too, that are curious and that, that want to have conversations about it, want to engage in it. You, you see it in a number of different ways. I am in, in, in a lot of ways, a, a polar opposite of my uncle who I started and learned so much from coaching. And I, I yeah. you know, I owe him everything because he got me going and, and gave me the skills to, to figure out the rest of it. But I'm so different than the way he coached his players. Personality-wise, um, the style, the things that I try and do from an interaction standpoint it could not be more different. But he was unbelievably successful. And so you see right away, and I, I saw that right away, like, I can't do that. I can't do it that way. Yeah. I've got to do it my way, but it can work if I get the right people to fit into that. So I wouldn't recruit the same players now. And I certainly don't when I was my last college job at UC Santa Barbara, I didn't recruit the same type of players that I, that I did when I was at lower Columbia or when I was at Tacoma, because I'm different. And I think you have to look at that and you have to be honest with yourself about what do I need and what, what, do I, what's going to work mm. with me and players are doing the same thing in recruiting and staff are too, like whether you're recruiting a, a, a fellow coach or, or staff member to your group or a player you have to find out, is this going to work on a daily basis? Is there some chemistry? Yeah. Is there some, is there some, and, and chemistry doesn't always mean it's great all the time. It just means there's something there that works. Uh, it can be adversarial yeah. in some ways it can, because you challenge each other. It's, it's, uh, it, it can, it can sometimes be a little bit tough, but it, you both know like, this is good. Like we need this. Yeah. We need each other to push each other because we're not going to, we're not going to uh, get challenged any other way. Or some people don't need that. Like they need supportive people. I think you just mm -hmm. have to understand who you are and what your, what your values are to, to think about how, how does the other people fit into this? So as you go through in recruiting, that's what it is. It's figuring out people, right? What motivates this person? Who's the decision maker in this family? How do yeah. I get them to feel comfortable? How do I get the player to feel comfortable? How do I inspire him? And is there some connection here? Do we have a rapport that you can feel and you can see it going somewhere. I think those things you just, sometimes you get caught up and I, I want to win this battle. I want to get this person on my team. I want to get this person on my staff. I want to win this. And I know they've got suitors somewhere else or other people are coming after them, but I've got to win this one. I got to get this guy. But if it's not the right person, then doesn't matter. Yeah. It just, it's about the people you do get, not the people you don't get. So don't, don't try and, you know, again, shove a round, you know, round peg in a square hole or, or anything like that. You just have to, you have to be aware of, of what's really going to work. And that's yeah. hard sometimes because you get caught up in the other stuff or the battle of it. Totally. Yeah, that makes sense. So through the lens of baseball, how do you think baseball players, whether that's high school players, college players, professional players should think about growth within their career? And maybe for a little more context, like, I guess high school players, I mean, there's so many decisions after high school for good players. Is it, do I, if I get drafted, do I go pro? Do I go to JC? Do I go D1? Where do I go? Like there's so many different choices for what you can do with your career. What advice would you give to baseball players that are trying to make the most of their career and they're trying to grow and be the best that they can? What advice would you tell them? I think it's, the, it's still the same. It, it's find the place where you're going to, 
be challenged and, and grow. It's hard. And I get it. Like I don't know that when I was 18, if I was a top 100 player in the country, that I could have really made a, a smart decision about, should I sign in the draft? Should I go straight to D1? Which D1 should I go to? Like, I would have gotten caught up in a lot of that stuff too. Like, oh, who's the best locker room? And and you know who has who has the the you know the coolest weight room and uh, yeah. the blitz and the sort of the the sex appeal that that most schools are rolling out at, certainly at the higher levels or the money that gets offered. I, I it's hard not to get caught up in that, but you have to make a clear decision on what is what is the end goal that I'm searching for. I want to play as long as I possibly can. However high that is, however long that is, I don't know yet. You can't control that, but I want to play as long as I can. So if I'm truly investing in myself, then I have to go somewhere that's going to give me the best opportunity to get better and to continue to grow. And sometimes that means saying, I'm not ready for this, or I need to take a step in this direction first. And that means there's a better connection with this coaching staff, or they do a better job at what I'm not good at. If I'm small and I need to get stronger then I need to go to a place that really performs in, in that aspect yeah. and gets their guys bigger and stronger. Or, you know, one of the things that we're, we're talking about right now with, with free agent acquisitions is our, our ability to, to add the power uh, component to your, to your offensive game. You know, our job, we, we feel good about adding that, you know, if you're a high contact, um, low swing and miss, high walk rate, low strikeout rate guy, but don't do a lot of damage. You don't hit a lot of extra base hits or a lot of homers. We feel good about being able to add that to your game. So we're a good organization for people who need that component. Well, if you already hit a bunch of homers, mm -hmm. but you strike out too much, then maybe we're not the greatest spot because that's yeah. not what we do really well. You need to ask those questions honestly and and first identify them in yourself, but then say, where is where is this really going to happen the best at? And, and sometimes it's hard to tell because lots of places are good at things, but you have to have yeah. those honest conversations and not get, you know, sort of distracted by the shiny objects over there. And that's, again, it's really hard to do, but you have to try and do that the best you can. I think that, again, trusting that personal instinct, I used to tell recruits this all the time. And I think sometimes it helped me and sometimes it hurt me. But if you walk away from your visit with me and you go, yeah, that's fine. It's good. Whatever. I think I think that guy knows what he's talking about, or I think that's a good place. But but you're not like oh, I can't wait to go. Or, yeah, I don't want. To, I want to turn the car right around and and keep going on the visit. If you don't feel that way, then you probably shouldn't come to my place. Like then we don't have yeah. something. And if I don't leave that visit going, man, I want to coach that kid. That kid is awesome. And his family. If you don't have those feelings, it's like dating, right? Dating usually goes one of three ways. Like either you can't wait for the date to be over. And you're like, check, please. I got to get out of here. Hey, I'll, uh, I'll total call, totally call you and you'll never call again. Or you're like, yeah, it's fine. Like, yeah, if she called again, I'll probably go out with her again. Like, that's fine. I'm not out, but I'm not certainly not excited. Or you cannot wait to call her and you want to the next day you want to go on another date, right? That's what you should feel about this thing. There should be that sort of connection. And I think some people overlook that because they get distracted by the shiny object. Totally. And, and or chase the money. Yeah, that makes sense. So you said you coach players and coaches now. So what do you tell players or coaches that they've run into obstacles? So maybe their players aren't progressing very well, or they're, if they're a player, they're in a slump and they're just really struggling to kind of take the corner and get better. How do you tell them to think about overcoming those obstacles? Look at obstacles as necessary for improvement. Like you, if you don't hit any obstacles, 
it's a bad sign because it means you're probably not challenging yourself enough. Um, if you're out in the ocean and you're watching out for icebergs and it's all quiet, you got to get nervous because you know the big one's coming probably. I think it's reframing everything. We talk about, you know, like a lot of people anymore, I think in sports or in life are, are starting to realize and the, the conversation around, hey, you know, there's a book called The Obstacle is the Way. The idea that process matters over results, right? So stay with it and challenge yourself. But that's real. Like that is a really powerful tool. And if you look at it differently, you don't enjoy obstacles or road roadblocks or speed bumps in the same way that you enjoy being really good at something or having something being easy. Yeah. It's it's a different enjoyment, but you need to look at it in terms of I need of I need it. It helps me and I crave it in a sort of you know, almost sadistic way, you, you know, that it's helpful and, and, and powerful for you. So if you, if you look at it in terms of, Oh, good, now there's enough something to engage me. And I got to figure this thing out that helps people again, just stay with it and go, okay, this is right. This is good thing. I'm, I'm getting better because I am being challenged. I think it's just in the way you view those things. It isn't, it doesn't make it more fun. Like I don't, I don't enjoy being stuck with a player and like, man, I don't, I don't know how to get through to this guy. I don't know how to fix this or I don't enjoy that, but I know that I need that because it makes me focus and challenge myself to figure out a new solution. And I think what you're always trying to do as a coach and certainly as a player is figure out a new answer to the problem. What's a new tool that I can put in my tool belt to, to overcome these things that are inevitably going to happen again. And in our world, especially baseball, you're, you're never done with it. You're always going to get hit in the face with, challenge and, and failure. So learning how to look at it in terms of what is this going to get me? What am I going to learn out of this? Because I will get to the other side that that idea that it is only a temporary situation uh, is is a big part of that too. Like I will come out the other side of this. What will I have learned if I can focus right now? Awesome. Well, thank you. If our listeners want to get to know you or follow you more, um, where can they find you online? Twitter is probably the best way. That's at Coach Ferg. And then uh, Instagram is at Donegal Fergus. Both of those will kind of show, you know, a little bit of personality and, and, and what we do and, and, and some coaching stuff on there. So feel free to, to jump along on that bumpy ride. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Coach Ferg. You have a good one. Take care. Thanks, Nate. Thanks for listening, Builders. Really hope you enjoyed this interview with Donegal Fergus. Go ahead and go give Donegal a follow on Twitter and Instagram. And while you're there, Hit us with a follow as well. We are at Voxter Life. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and we'll try to keep you up to date on all things Voxter related. Before you go, if you wouldn't mind, just hit and subscribe and hit us with a five-star review as well. That really helps us to grow the podcast. Now, thank you, builders, and keep building.